Welcome, everyone. I appreciate you joining us for episode 38 of the Innovator podcast series, Where Innovators Flourish. My name is Allison Doyle, and I'm the Associate Director for the Iowa State University Research Park, and I am the host of the Innovator podcast series. Today's guest is Dan O, oh, President and CEO of Egg Certain, which is a food, agricultural, and bio-based product company. In this episode, we discuss everything from building companies, placemaking, and talent development. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Innovators Podcast. Today, we are joined by Dan O., oh, President and CEO of Egg Certain. Hi, Daniel. Hello. Thanks Am for I having me Am I supposed to call here. you Daniel or Dan? I've always called you Dan. The one I'm in trouble is Daniel, but otherwise it's Dan. Okay. So we're going to go with Dan. Okay. How's that right. sound? Yeah. How are you today? Very well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. So Egg Certain is the um, newest affiliate co-working member of the research park. And so we thought that it was important to have a conversation with you today. Um, you have a long history of entrepreneurship and community development. So I'm excited about where this conversation could go. Do you want to start things off by just giving us a little bit of an overview of your background? Yeah, uh, I'm older, so that could take a long time. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest, grew up in Indiana, now the college town, Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, that's where I got a bug for business. And actually grew up on top of a store where, where our family wholesaled and retailed food throughout the state. Went in the Army for about 15 years. And when I got out, I uh, wanted to get into business and build companies. So I got a business degree. And since 2000, have been involved in building companies. So how do you just get out of college and start building companies? Did you take an entrepreneurship course? What planted that seed to make you think that you could do it? Well, you uh, you can take a lot of different paths, and I'm sure here on this podcast you run into many people do that. I I uh, understood that I liked business, having done a lot in, in it. I, I got to grow up in a small business, so from elementary school through high school, I was doing a lot of activities. Then I made a choice to be in large organizations for a while to see what a built company looks like. And in its own way, the Army is a large organization. Uh, I got to work at a company called McKinsey and & Company and Eli Lilly and & Company. And those uh, great places help you know what right looks like. Then having been there, I realized if I didn't leave, I was never going to leave. And uh, wanted to get to places where I could start working on smaller activities. But I did want to be involved in things that I thought mattered, like ag or life sciences, pharmaceuticals, things that are industrial and have a large impact, and those require lots of capital. So I was fortunate to have folks that allowed me to work around the financial markets, around contracts, mergers and acquisitions, integration, lots of things that ended up mattering later, where I practiced along with others while helping them do their goals. And eventually... Uh, found my way to Iowa where I helped another company grow a business called Renewable Energy Group. And that was just one of the places where I got to practice and do serious work and discovered I really like it. So when you started at REG, I'm familiar with them back from when they were the West Central Cooperative over mm -hmm. in Ralston. When did you join? Did you join when it was West Central or REG after the, the rollover? Well, after I worked at Lilly, I went to 
boutique but large agribusness consulting firm in Indianapolis called ABG or Agribusiness Group. And for a couple of years, I helped lead the management consulting and market research teams. And that firm had been around a long time. And one of the clients was West Central. So I started working on West Central projects and other projects in Iowa. And then that board of directors and leadership team asked our firm and me to help come put together the business plan. And if it was accepted, then raise the first round of money. So I got to be involved in raising the first $100 million in the Series A and then was asked to join as the CFO. So I got to be a vice president in West Central for three months, and then the company spun out, and that's how I joined REG. So I did the role of CFO for a year, then COO for a couple of years, president for a couple of years, and CEO for almost six. And now you are? Well, so after that, I had enough uh, confidence to raise capital and found a company on our own. So that company is Ag Certain Industries. And what the leadership team and I and others discovered along the way is uh, there's a high need for identity-preserved specialty products where you really know what's happened along the way and you can trace the origin until you as a consumer are using it. And there's a gap in the market. Uh, over the last 50 years, we became very large commodity-focused Super efficient, low price production, but that made it hard to differentiate and separate and know what was happening along the way. So we're solving through a combination of process and IT and manufacturing capability, small batch at industrial scale where you, you trace and know what's happened along the way and people can be very confident when they use our ingredients that it's right. And that's where ag certain or agricultural certainty comes from in our name. Nice. So you just announced a fairly large project in Boone County. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's happening with that? Well, we, uh, we just celebrated our fourth year of operation. We, we were founded in August of 18, and in June of 19, we did our first acquisition of an asset and some people that we got to hire. And then we've been building a refinery system in Boone since then, and we've invested tens of millions of dollars since then. Last fall, we acquired basically the rest of the industrial park out in Boone so that we could build a large bioprocessing food and ag product park over time. And my guess is over the next 10 years, we'll grow to be over 150 acres of processing and high-end technology out there. We also just received from the state of Iowa a little over $3.9 million grant to do an industrial reuse, reuse of water project. So we'll be treating wastewater for ourselves and others around us who do bioprocessing. And uh, just a year ago, we acquired a company called Maytag Dairy Farms. So we now make some of the finest blue cheese in the world in Newton, Iowa, all of it in central Iowa, which is a great place to operate. In my opinion, the best blue cheese I think it's in the world. just awesome. Yeah. So tell me what the angle is for acquiring a blue cheese company. Well, aside from for, the first fact of all, that it's, it's awesome. a wonderful product. It's a specialty product, and we can bring our what I would almost call artisan industrial capabilities. It is kind of odd to put those two together, but specialty and industrial really do go together. But we brought some of that capability to Newton. Uh, we had capabilities that that business didn't have: a lot of engineering, a lot of quality assurance, and other skills that. Uh, a smaller business would have trouble having all the time. And together, we, we merged those back office capabilities. The other reason we acquired the business was for the Maytag brand, Maytag Dairy Farms brand. And as much as 
I like ag certain industries. The truth is it was created on my couch with my wife about five years ago. And if you're an ingredients, you know who we are. But if you're a consumer, you don't know who we are. So we'll be using the Maytag Dairy Farms and Maytag Farms brands uh, as we go to market through food service, retail, and direct-to-consumer. And it is a readily understood and identified very high-end quality brand, and that's what we wanted to be associated with. Right. So do you envision yourself acquiring other companies as well to give you, so now you kind of top-tier brand with Maytag, other layers of? Sort of the good, better, best idea. Yes. Um, I, I think we're always going to be in better and best. The idea is that we don't need to. Uh, so the Egg Certain brand is an industrial brand. Maytag Dairy Farms and Maytag Farms will go a long way other ways. Otherwise, I do think we'll end up through mergers and acquisitions, picking up what will end up becoming a sort of private label brand that uh, goes to market in a high quality for the price, but lower market sort of activity. But with Maytag Dairy Farms and with Ag Certain, I think for our specialty world, we're pretty well covered right now. We do intend to do a lot of building and organic growth and a lot of M&A over the next 10 years. So what do you think, um, as you look to the future of what this looks like? I mean, you said 150 acres, an entire complex, five years from now, 10 years from now, what's this look like? How many people are working there? What are are the product lines looking like? And then talk a little bit also about this traceability Mm -hmm. aspect of things. This keeps popping up in conversations with people who stop by here with different companies and, and different needs. This is where I'll get long-winded. So Good. That's fine. And interject. The reason we're here in Ames and in central Iowa is uh, not just because I was living here already. In fact, after I left my last role, I went on kind of a self-imposed six-month sabbatical, driving around, looking at opportunities, trying to confirm the hypotheses around what, it, what the next level of traceability and specialty could be. And I kept coming back to central Iowa uh, as... You know, where are the raw materials grown? Where do you have a wonderful aggregation of talent? Where do you already have companies and skills and capabilities? And the Ames and Des Moines metro area really fit that bill. And then Ames with Iowa State is constantly generating great people who can come in and become part of that system as it makes sense. Or for those who left Iowa and want to come back, we're a pretty interesting, complex place for them to come back to with their skills and be... Uh, in a great career. What we know is that there's a fundamental business that will do very well just around specialty products and traceability. However, we also need to ensure that it has a great environmental footprint, a very good rate of return, takes advantage of the technologies that are around today. So we will end up in not quite a zero waste, but a pretty close to zero waste environment that is based on biology So examples of technologies that run together and what will end up being a bioprocessing park, and we expect to build our purification, which we do at the refinery now, Uh, wastewater treatment to reuse water. We'll end up in fermentation that uses that water that we're making anew. We'll do a biogas facility to self-generate power and also sell energy into the market. We'll create a food-grade terminal. There's actually not one in central Iowa. You've got to be on the, on the rivers, east or west, to move things in and out so that we can support biofuels and liquid products coming out of agriculture, moving in and out of the market. We expect to put in a, 
uh, crushing facility that will separate oil and meal, not only for specialty products like organic soy, but also for cover crops that need a place to get their oil to market for biofuels, which is going to be a, a growing market for that capability, and quite a few other things that match onto that. And then as part of that, it makes a ton of sense to roll up products and generate some of our own on the oleochemistry side. Because as you gain volume, you get more available uh, fractions that you can pull out, like lecithin or vitamin E or other nutraceuticals that are pretty important. And uh, we can take oils and make already understood products like greases, hydraulic fluids, uh, lubricants. And all of those have places where you can buy products that exist in smaller organizations that want to be in bigger ones or create portfolios through licensing and acquisition that customers will like because they can deal with one place and they've got a, a full offer. So we can stop where we are and just make it great. But naturally, all of those things I just talked about go together. And it's also something the university works on. It's something the federal government wants, Department of Energy wants, USDA wants it. Uh, in varying combinations around the country. So 10 years from now, you envision how many people working oh, I, out there? I think just in Boone, Iowa, Yeah, there'll probably be 350 people, uh, all high-skilled. So you'll be hiring organic chemistry people from Iowa State? Well, even today, we have uh, PhD food scientists, master's degree level food scientists. We have chemical engineers, mechanical engineers. We've got an aerospace engineer. Is very familiar with metallurgy, a civil engineer, chemists, uh, very high-educated high group of folks who like to work. I mean, we're a business that works. We get our hands dirty, and the people in our company like to make what we sell. That's one of the cool things about manufacturing, where it's not a service business. Service businesses are important and essential, but they're generally helping other businesses who've made things get them to market or, or do something better, faster, or cheaper. So as an entrepreneur, um, is this the final hurrah for you? Do you have an end game in mind? Is somebody going to swoop in and buy this whole thing up at some point? What are you thinking? Well, it's not my nature to uh, relax. <laughs> <laughs> so so good, good companies in their own way are always looking for investors and are always available for sale. And that's no sign out saying otherwise. So who knows? If somebody shows up and said, that's awesome and it fits really well in our company and that's the right thing for the business, we have lots of other ideas. We'll just take that capital and go do something else. Sure. Uh, I, I'm more likely to die at my desk, hopefully doing just a few days a week. But, you know, the great thing about this country is as long as you're productive, somebody's going to support you doing something that, that makes a difference. So you mentioned the aspect of um, workforce development, getting your hands dirty and being able to be in the space where you're seeing the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Um, what are the other things that would make a certain and attractive place to work? It's maybe a little cheesy, but it's easy to feel good about what we do. I mean, we are uh, one of many companies who are allowing farmers to gain more value for their crop to allow communities to gain more value from the work that's occurring in those areas. And that really matters because as the rest of the world sometimes becomes more efficient logistically, we need to take what we make and make it better and more valuable and use it more locally. 
And I'm not just talking about farm-to-table programs. I'm talking about super high-value uses of biological material. I think it's uh, a place that's not monotonous, but it has process and pattern. So we are a shop that, instead of a commodity facility, and, and we're really, really just talking Boone right now because the business will be bigger than this. If you were a refiner of edible oil, you might have one product, and all you do is make that product all day, all night, all year round, exactly the same. And it doesn't take nearly as much knowledge or ingenuity to figure it out. Our facility in Boone has been built to be a quick changeover situation. So we process dozens of different kinds of products over a year with lots of different biology and even stress on crops changes the way you approach it. So it really is a craftsman activity where you've got to use chemistry and biology and a bunch of other industrial engineering capability just to do it right. And the products that we do are small volume. So if we mess it up, our customers may not have a replacement that's possible. You know, their their two or ten truckloads might be all they have for another year. And, yeah, maybe you can write a check, but what really happens is they don't have a product to make what they wanted to make in the end. So it's, it's critical work. It takes a smart person who likes to be in a challenging environment to be there. I think that describes a lot of Iowa, by the way. And... Our products get used, so you see what you're doing, you make it, it gets consumed, you get to redo it. That's attractive to a lot of folks. So as a founder, um, one of the things that we hear a lot from entrepreneurs in our ecosystem is that there is not enough capital to go around. Um, Can you talk a little bit about resources, financial and otherwise, that you have utilized to stand up your business and, and this particular market? The uh, opportunity that Ag Certain's had uh, really has come from you know, deep connections to Iowa and just the people who understand the business we're building and how it needs to grow and spread. However, there is a lot of capital in Iowa. The general average company, I think, can gain access to it. And, and we have really worked hard as a state to create different channels which mostly are channels of awareness. You know, on the one hand, as a business builder, you do have to spend time learning how to be worthy of the stewardship responsibility of being entrusted with capital, whether it be from a bank or an equity holder. However, it really is the case in the last 20 years. We've got uh, seed investors that are very active. We've got angel investors that are active. We have venture capital funds. private equity fund called Midwest Growth Partners is uh, working with us. At Ag Certain, and they're, they and uh, the Kemry family are the primary investors. The Kemry family would be an example of angel investors putting money into an asset that matters. And community banks, community banks are huge in terms of supporting growth and providing working capital and making sure that that stuff's there. So I think the money's there. Sometimes people just need to be able to connect with folks to help them understand how to organize their business so that different risks can have different kinds of investors within the same company and make it easier to fund what you do need. So um, I'm going to pivot on you a bit, and I would like to talk a little bit about placemaking because I know that you have um, really invested heavily in the Ames community mm-hmm. um, yeah. and and in your hometown as well. And Yeah, I've got two hometowns. Yes, both Ames, hometowns, Ames I guess. Ames and Bloomington, right? Indiana. 
So talk a little bit about that. What motivated you to do that? I mean, aside from the obvious, which is that you need place for people that work for you to live. And what got what got you into the idea of placemaking? Being a member of a community, I, I think when you're able means that you also should be giving back. And people give back in lots of different ways. So our group, uh, sometimes it's my family doing investing, sometimes it's other shareholders, sometimes it's just our company. You know, for example, right now we have 21 interns and 85 employees otherwise. That's a pretty large number of folks. And we think about it, yeah, as summer surge labor, but we certainly don't need 21 interns to get that work done. What we're doing is taking folks from post-high school all the way through Ph.D. programs and trying to expose them to the virtue of business and how important that is, what it's like to be in a company at an earlier age than you might get an internship in your last year of school, and helping them see how Iowa really is kind of a pretty cool place to be. You can have a vibrant career. We're trying to ensure that we're developing people knowing they may not stay with us so that they will just be in the area. Another development effort is Ag Certain. So we've got some great companies in the area, but what we really need are more of them of size and scale and complexity so that when folks get stuck and they're really great folks, but their company just doesn't need to promote them, they could still stay in the area and move to another company and keep growing without having to displace themselves to Minneapolis or Chicago or some other place. So that's another sort of placemaking that matters. Then we, uh, we try to help others without an expectation of a return favor. So if you're going to have an entrepreneurial community that really gets things done, that's the right mindset. We help each other. Maybe it comes back at some day, but who cares if it does? Generally, we're all growing. And the place is more likely to thrive when you're willing to share your knowledge and your time and your energy. And then you need infrastructure. There are many people in the community involved in everything from the Ames Economic Development Commission to building and improving their own home or the university. We lobby together. Uh, One of the cool things about Ames is while everyone has their view of politics, the local government doesn't wear a brand. They just are people elected to office. And it makes it easier to compromise and get things done. So for the sake of growing the area and taking care of it, maintaining good infrastructure, people are making decisions for the future. And one of those is uh, something we do. Uh, so my family and people that we get to work with, and one of, one of your people that you've trained, Abby Miller, she's that way, Dan Colhane with the Chamber, all these other folks, are trying to ensure that we have a vibrant area for young professionals. We want to we be able to make sure that we don't have this donut hole where people go to college and they have to leave for a while, but then when they have family, they decide, hey, come back to Ames and it's okay. We want people to stay all the way through. Well, we need to have better housing. We have good housing, but we need more of it. That's what I mean by better. Uh, we need it to be well-placed. We need it to be where people want to gather. And there's a there's a real effort in the community to build that right now, and we try to do that in historic properties. What got you into historic properties? Candidly, my parents bought some old buildings when I was a kid, and I had the good fortune and the requirement to work on them. <laughs> <laughs> So restoring and rehabilitating property is something I started doing in literally in elementary school. There's a body of knowledge that gets built over time around old in the Midwest. And the Midwest isn't old if you think about 
uh, typical American culture. We're not talking about indigenous or native culture. So Ames was founded in the 1850s. So 100-year-old buildings, pretty old around here. Most of what we do is around 100 and 125 years old. And our, our goal is to find things in good locations that we can improve and then over time hold them so that we can make heavy investments up front so that they become great places. And then we'll get our return back over a long-term perspective. But uh, we're trying to through, trying through redevelopment to help with economic development in places that really matter. And here in Ames, it's the downtown area. Yeah, so uh, Sheldon Munn. Mm -hmm. is your place and I grew up here so saw that hotel in various states of disrepair throughout my childhood and Abby told me the other day that it's full yeah yeah and uh full of uh full of a wide wide range of folks but the super majority are young young professionals in the area and that's an active choice uh I mean I guess this is a marketing opportunity but we've created a place that's a fixed price transition so you come in, uh, I think it's affordable, you get your internet, your laundry, your utilities, all these things uh, included. And when you're transitioning out of college, that's actually pretty important because it's, it's hard to budget when people don't have a high income at that point. But we also have done it in a way that honors the heritage of the property and of the downtown. So we avoid registrations that would take away control of what we can do, but we really try to preserve and restore in a way that the Department of Interior would like anyway. So we put a bunch of time and effort. We could save money, but it's really the time and effort that makes a difference. You have to look at these old properties like archaeological digs. You're going back to find the history and uncovering things, and as you uncover things, you realize what you can do and what must be done to make it healthy again. We do try to approach it where when we're done, we've got another 50-year building that just has a a cool history. But the, the history in the Midwest matters, and anything that's 100, 150 years old is our history in terms of local towns and how they've been built, and, and we're pretty good at that. And when I look at the spaces that I like frequenting downtown, they're in those buildings that you all have rehabilitated. So yeah. it's a pretty cool thing. We and several other families are engaged in that. Um, we're not the only ones. Uh, but it but it is conscious effort by the town, one building at a time, to create a better place for folks to want to be. And as the town has grown, the university has grown, we have seen in the last 30 years many successful companies here to the point that it used to be a government town with a lot of government jobs. Now it's a lot more balanced and businesses growing at a much faster rate. That is bringing enough income to the area where quality of life is improving and then infrastructure like the downtown of Ames is part of that quality of life growing. Yeah, and hopefully some of the things that we're doing here is part of it as well, right? Well, it's why we want to be an affiliate member and we've joined. Uh, I've seen the research park grow in nearly 20 years in a, in a tremendous way, and it's growing multidimensionally. So, of course, there's a large asset base, but what matters more is the interconnection to the community, the leadership that continues to grow and improve here, the willingness to support ideas from infancy all the way through some big place like John Deere coming in and doing research and recruiting. It, it is also flexible. So you, you don't have to come here and sign your life away. At least that's my impression. You do not. You can take some risk. And if it doesn't work out, there's enough demand to be in the park that usually a replacement will come in and take your spot. So 
I, I think it's a special place. And beyond that, the park is in, of the town and part of the town. So when when you're driving, it's it's as if you're in the t- same city, and it's adjacent to one of the one of the cooler things about Ames, which is a municipal airport that you can land in and within 10 minutes be anywhere in the area. So there's not some 20 miles out of town, big place, and then you got to drive. You can come right here. You do need a private plane to get in, but that's not as hard anymore. Oh, when they expanded the airport, we wondered what that would look like. And now every day people show up here who have flown in. Well, that, that's another example of uh, conscious local economic development. So, so that expansion, which brought the terminal and a new hangar, and that hangar was really important because it allowed heated conditions overnight, which allowed jets and other aircraft who had to have a warm situation be there. We, we now can have year-round travel coming into the Ames Airport instead of having to go down to Des Moines. And it is another gateway to the town, and it has really helped with economic development. Yeah, another thing that we've talked a lot about over the years here is when you get founders who have an exit and they come back and they build here again. And I think you're sort of a poster child for that. Um, we're, we're trying to be. Yeah, it helps. It, <laughs> it helps build the successful ecosystem. Companies, but yeah. In a multitude of ways. And so um, while we're ending our time here, I think it maybe a decent way to end today would be um, you're on your second crack at this, um, second time around. What did you learn last time or what did you screw up last time that you are emphatic that you will not do again or that you are adamant that will happen this time through new company? Uh, I, I don't have a screw up to talk about because the company did did really well. I yeah. mean, our, still our, doing very well. Still doing very well. RG, I think, is a lot like many other things in Iowa. It satisfied many needs. So. It improved food, it brought energy security, it helped with fire renewables, it helped with carbon intensity, it created really complex and interesting jobs, and it's naturally transitioned to be a division of Chevron. And Chevron's chosen to stay because all of those skills and capabilities are inherent in this area, which aren't obvious the rest around the rest of the country. I, I think that company did quite well. And that's not to say that individually there aren't a lot of things I could have done better. There, there absolutely are. One of the things that we're trying to do differently at, at certain industries is have a, an RG is a fuel company, right? That's what they do. At, at Ag Certain, we're intentionally being a more diversified, broader technology company that's still focused in ag and food and specialty products, but have divisions that are related that allow us at different levels of human development to grow. So it's we, we will end up having several P&Ls or several groups that have their own business inside that are connected and cooperating. But that allows us a strong path to develop folks from post-college or post-high school into general managers to allow people to go through different life cycles, right? So as people join early or join later, they have kids, they're married, they're not married, they have an illness, whatever, you need to have places where you can move people around to let them work through what they're doing while still earning what they get and feeling good about the team. A more diversified business will allow us to do that. Still connected, but more diversified. And 
we are trying to be mostly Midwestern right now because that's where our raw material base is. And it's in a great location for the direction in which most of our things go, which is here and sort of to the east where much of the country's population are. So more diversified, more local. And I think we are definitely getting heavily into process and eventually IT so that we have a blend of that. I am trying to ensure that we are deeply connected to the university and the local community area because as we're more complicated, we've got to have access to a broader set of intellectual property and knowledge. And that's here. And the university is trying to do the same with everybody. And the research part is proved. So how can we help? Well, uh, if you have any great interns, I'd like to hire them. So send them our way. It turns out I do. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> yes. And just continue to do what you're doing, which is connecting folks. I mean, the easy thing to do anywhere you are is be heads down and work on your on what you need to do. And then when you run into a problem, how do you figure out who can help you? Connectors matter. You're a connector for sure. And that uh, that's a big deal. And I think the park is a big part of connections. Anything else you want to add? Well, I would just throw in that one of the most important things a person can do is be a part of an operating building or running a profitable company that makes things you can be proud of. And we'll just be as simple as saying proud of means that Thanksgiving you're willing to talk to your family about it and you feel pretty good about it. If you can meet that standard, that's a big deal. But well-run companies fund society. And society needs that. There's not enough talk about the virtue of business and why it matters. So thank you for doing that here. Ah, thanks for being here. All net new jobs come from startup companies. It's the line, right? So thank you, Dan, for being on the show today. I'm excited to see what exciting projects you and Egg Certain have in store for the future. And until next time, stay inspired. Thank you. <laughs>